Hey all you cool cats and kittens, it is once again I, Harry, your host of Write First, Think Later, welcoming you back to the podcast and to, I guess, my bedroom. I'm recording from my bedroom, so welcome to my bedroom. This sounds weird, but like, welcome back. Uh, I, it, I was hoping that things would have changed, things would be better, there would be some form of improvement in the world, but apparently it has gotten worse, I will hate to see it. Um... Again, I want to say, even if it is not trending right now, black lives do still matter. They have mattered, and they will always matter. Um, And if you are not standing up against injustice, you are automatically taking the side of the oppressor. Uh, And also, that trans rights are human rights. And LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. And uh, if you identify as something that is outside of the gender binary or has the gender, a gender that you were like not born as, that is fine. Do that. Do that. You are the only person that gets to decide what is right for you and what makes you feel comfortable and decide how you best feel and what pronouns best fit you. Um, you were... The, the JK Rowling thing really, really hit me hard. I knew she was a turf before, and I'm just real pissed that she keeps opening her mouth and just continuing to be a turf. Um, if you find any kind of solace in the Harry Potter books or they helped you through anything, uh, I echo Dan Radcliffe's sentiment, um, which was that nobody can take away any kind of comfort or solace that you found in the books. It is solely between you and the books themselves, and that is sacred. Um, yeah, I'm not an authority on the trans experience, the non-binary experience. Um, I'm a cis girl, um, so I cannot be the authority on that. If you'd like to learn more and find ways to support, um, of course, go to the Trevor Project. They have been providing a plethora of resources for a very, very long time. Um, I'm sure there are other influencers or people that have been sharing a lot of resources. I'll try to find a couple um, to share as well. Um, Anyway, all of that aside, let's get into it this week. Um, So last time I left you guys, I said we were going to be talking about plot and specifically major dramatic question. Now, I will not lie to you. So much has happened in the last two weeks since I recorded that I honestly forgot what exactly I was supposed to be covering today. I knew it was plot-based, it was plot-centric, but I was like, what? What is it? What am I supposed to read? What am I supposed to tell them about? Um, So today we are going to be covering the major dramatic question, which is actually my favorite part of the like entire like writing thing. It is fairly new to me. I've only known about it for about two years, uh, which sounds like a very, very long time. Um, maybe a year now. I'll say like a year and a half, which still sounds like a very long time, but I'll remind you, I've been writing since I was in middle school. I'm at, I'm currently like 23. So it's, it's, it's a fairly new thing. Uh, and it's something I still sort of struggle with a little bit. So I'm excited to talk about it and discuss it, but it is very, very important. (laughs) Um, especially in longer pieces, it is so important to have this to kind of orient you to your writing and to kind of help you with that. Uh, And I'll first kind of detail why it's important, 
I guess I have to defend my choice, uh, and then I'm going to jump into what exactly it is, and a couple of other things that will kind of help it, or help kind of guide the major dramatic question, and then kind of like how, how they achieve the goal, um, and kind of what exactly it is. So first I'll do that classic thing where I tell you why I'm talking about this, or why I think it is super, super important. Um, so I think it's vital. Uh, I was told multiple times by multiple people that it is one of the most important things that you will talk about when you are writing or one of the most important things you will figure out when you're writing or when you're planning. And that's for a number of different reasons. Again, it is going to orient the entire story. So it gives the story something to kind of revolve around. It gives it a central idea, a central sort of theme maybe but mainly an idea and a goal for your character to reach similarly it gives your character a goal and it gives them a measurable goal so we can see at the end if they have met this goal or not so we can see how well they've done based on what exactly they want it also drives the plot your character wants something the major dramatic question is something that your character is looking for searching for and they're going to try to find so it gives the plot that like go ahead um and it makes us want to read more right like in all those crappy lifetime movies where the mom's baby gets kidnapped you're like i gotta watch to see is this mom gonna find her baby is santa's daughter going to find a man besides corporate businessman to love her who is also gonna accept the fact that she's santa's daughter like is that gonna happen is she gonna get with hot hot penguin boy i don't know um but Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies are really good at that. They're really good at having this major dramatic question that is answered with a yes or no, usually a yes, uh, for them, and makes you want to kind of continue reading and continue seeing forward. So that's why it's important. It drives the plot. It anchors the plot into the character itself, which is something that a lot of books kind of struggle with. So it gives the plot something specific with the character to kind of revolve around. It makes the character want to go, it drives them forward, uh, and it gives us something that we can measure to see if the character was successful. So a major dramatic question, or an MDQ, as I'm going to call it, is a yes or a no question that uh, can be some, that has to be something tangible that we can measure. So it's a yes or a no question, and we can see very clearly whether it is a yes or a no. It is not something abstract like, is Sheila happy? Is Jaden achieving his lifetime gold dream thing? Like, how do you, how, how no, <laughs> it needs to be something tangible. Is Sheila the owner of her own small business? Is Jaden a dog, question mark? Um, yeah, though that's a tangible goal. Don't I don't think it's a goal he can really achieve, but like it's a goal. <laughs> it's measurable. Um will Emma and Leo find their cat? Is Theo cursed? Will Theo be cursed for taking down this painting hanging in his house? Right? Like a yes or a no question that you can see it. You can actually see it. It does have to be a yes or a no question. It cannot, I repeat, cannot be uh, maybe it has to be a yes or a no because a maybe will be a little more abstract similarly something that is not tangible and cannot be measured is going to be a little more abstract 
abstract is fine. Some books are abstract and do great, but often readers don't like things to be that abstract. They want them to be a little more straightforward, tangible. If you are writing a book that is super abstract and you want it to be this crazy big thinker, then yeah, maybe look at having an abstract major dramatic question. But try, try to keep it not abstract. Keep it tangible, especially if you are one of the people that is just like starting to either get back into writing or just starting to write. Keep it tangible. Do not, I repeat, do not go into that abstract. It also might make the ending a little less satisfying if it's like abstract if it's just like art is so and so happy well yeah happiness looks like a bunch of other different things uh, but if you have that specific like does Trevor make the best grilled cheese ever like yeah it's more tangible that's like we can measure that we can see that and when he gets that or does not get that it is super super satisfying the only and I mean the only time that there can be like a maybe answer to the major dramatic question is if you are working on a series. So if you're working on a series, then the overarching kind of major dramatic question answer can be a maybe. If you're working in a series, you're going to need to have major dramatic questions for each book and then a major dramatic question for the entire series. So one specific real idea that stretches over the entire thing and then little smaller ideas that stretch over for just the books. So for example, uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm landing on the Grishaverse again for the millionth time and i've not quite finished crooked kingdom yet i've got like 200 pages that's my goal for the week is to just burn through that book um, because i need to finish it so i can read the language of thorns and something else so i'm gonna do uh the shadow and bone trilogy so what kind of the overarching major dramatic question is will alina get rid of the shadow fold debatable i know there's probably at least one other person i don't have a lot of listeners, and I probably don't have a lot of listeners that have read the, read the Grishaverse at all. So I probably have one person that's read the Grishaverse that's like, that's not the major dramatic question. That's fine. Totally fine. Unless um, you're Lee Bardugo, we can interpret it a couple of different ways. But let's say the overarching question is, will Alina defeat the Shadowfold? Okay, cool. Major dramatic question. The three books, Shadow and Bone, Siege and Storm, and Ruin and Rising, will each have their own major dramatic question in that. In Shadow and Bone, it's kind of mainly, will Alina figure out and harness how to use her power? It's kind of it. Um, there's questions about the stack. There's questions about Mal. There's questions, sort of, about the Darkling, but it's mainly, will Alina harness and be able to use her power? So at the end of the first book, we get that answer. Yes. Yes, Alina can harness and use her power. Really sorry if you're reading these books. Um, spoilers. <laughs> but the question is, will Alina be able to use her power? Yes. Will Alina defeat the Shadowfold? No, <laughs> she does not. She could. She very nearly could. Uh, and then we find out the Darkling is what? Garbage. Uh, so we've got a yes and a no. So then we move into Siege and Storm. Alina's already accomplished that one major dramatic question. Cool. Because that's the first book, she cannot accomplish the overarching major dramatic question in that first book. That would be like, what are, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why is that a thing? 
like no 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 we need to baby steps baby steps we need to get closer to that but we don't need to accomplish it first we need to see that there is that potential um i mean ideally we need to see that there is that potential you can also just plunge us into despair and just show us that there is not the potential that the fold will ever be defeated that would have been great lee that would have been cool um but anyway so she can harness her power great so then we move into siege and storm we need to move on to a different major dramatic question not gonna lie to you it's been a hot hot minute since i read siege and storm i have read rune and rising and six of crows in between as well as a couple of other books so i'm a little verklempt on what <laughs> what the major dramatic question for that would have been then siege and storm i would say it revolves a little bit more around well at the beginning will alina find the sea whip and then it turns a little more into will alina defeat the darkling all with that overarching question, will Alina defeat the Shadowfold? At this point, I think Alina has kind of realized she might need to defeat the Darkling before... Darkling? Words. Alina might have to defeat the Darkling before she can defeat the Shadowfold. So Siege and Storm is kind of about, can Alina defeat the Darkling? Will Alina defeat the Darkling? Not can. Will. Um, the answer is a resounding... No question mark it's a no um does delina defeat the darkling no she does not she absolutely does not defeat the darkling um but can will does alina like get rid of the shadow fold again like a maybe she has the potential um until you find out at the very very end of the book that she can no longer feel the light she can't summon light okay then it's a resounding no she can't she can't he's gonna kill everybody she can't defeat the shadow fold we're we're screwed um so then we move into Rune and Rising. I've gotten this one a little bit more down. For Rune and Rising, we go back and we... It's, it's very much, does Alina destroy the Shadowfold? Do they find the Firebird? I think that's the, that's the one I can't remember. I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact term. But I think it's the Firebird. Um, and then, of course, does Alina defeat the Dark? Yes, yes, and yes. It's all yes. So we get a yes answer for all of these. There's also, of course, the overarching question the whole time of does Alina end up with Mal? Yes. It's a yes. It looked like it was going to be a no for a very long time. Uh, the first book, you were like, it's going to be the Darkling. The second book, we all were just starry-eyed when we met Nikolai. Love Nikolai. Uh, and then the third book, there's like a tad chapter where you're like, no, <laughs> she can't. Um, so... I've just ruined the whole plot of Shadow and Bone for you guys. And no one's listening anymore. Literally everyone turned off. I'm, I'm really sorry. I just love that series. But if you get my gist, there is an overarching question. There is an overarching major dramatic question that comes into play and is answered either with a yes or a no at the end of each book. The specific, like, major dramatic questions for each book will typically play into those especially if it's a shorter series if it's a shorter series it's gotta all play in together so if you've got like two books they've gotta kind of work together similarly they don't quite have to have like an overarching major dramatic question i'm looking at the chronicles of narnia books over book i have one book it's all of the books combined into one on my bookshelf and uh, 
I would say they're a little different. I'd say they each have their own different flair, their own different major dramatic question. Perhaps they do have like a uniting major dramatic question, but each one kind of has their own different one. But in a lot of series, especially a lot of fantasy series, there's going to be like that overarching question and then individual questions for each book. Again, that's just kind of what it looks like for a series. You There's like no rules. There's no rules. You don't have to do that. You can mix and match, combine, do whatever you want to. Um, but that is typically what it looks like for a series. And that is the only time where it's okay to end a book with a maybe. And I would only say that because it's going to be the overarching theme, right? So I know I said like, yeah, Alina can harness her power. And yeah, Alina could potentially get rid of the shadow fold. But the thing is still a maybe. It's still very much a maybe because Alina herself is like, I just want to go. I want to leave. I want to be normal. I don't want to think about my power and anything like that or the darkling. I just want to be normal in Novia Zem for as long as I can. So it's like a maybe. Also a maybe because she needs an amplifier. She's got one, but then she needs another amplifier. <laughs> my man, the darkling. Uh, and then in Siege and Storm, she can no longer feel where her power is. So again, maybe maybe she can defeat the shadow fold maybe our girl is just like got enough grit <laughs> she's just gritty enough to be able to do it who knows but at the end you will need to have a definitive yes or no answer so that last book is going to have to tie it all together and answer with a yes or no now i've been saying yes or no all the time your books don't always have to be a yes even though i just talked about some books with like a yes answer um in most of them they don't always have to be a yes they don't always gotta be yes they're gonna do this yes they finish it yes leo and m find the cat yes theo is cursed because he removed the picture of his great 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 grandmother from the wall and she said she would curse anyone who did that you can answer with a no the answer can indeed be a resounding no which is gut-wrenching but kind of fun kind of fun to keep your people on their toes especially because now we are so kind of used to the answer always being a yes if the character wants something they're going to get it it's going to be a yes we ex kind of expect that even though it looks sometimes like a character might not get it we typically expect that the character especially in kind of ya lit will get what they want and will have a yes to that major dramatic question not always the case not always how it should end Again, I'm looking at the Shadow and Bone series. Y'all, it's right across from me. I have a pride of place on the top of my desk. Like, I have a desk and then some shelving. And then the top of that, I've got about a foot and a half of just blank shelf. And I have just put my favorite books on there. So it is pride of place right there. Siege and Storm. I would argue there's two major dramatic questions in that. One of them is going to be, does Alina slash the newly formed second army defeat the darkling and his army the answer is a resounding no they do not defeat him. um very nearly but it's a still a no the man is still alive at the end of this um and alina is very nearly dead they both nearly die the answer is a no it's an absolute no uh which is appropriate for the middle book in a series can't be a yes it'd be cool if it was a yes sad if it was a yes but cool um but there's a no 
it's not all going to be a yes. In life, we do not always get what we want. We do not always meet meet our goals, reach our goals. Totally fine. How it happens. So why not have some books that do that? So even if you're writing something that is a short story or a novella or just one singular piece and not a piece in a series, it's okay for it to end with a no. It is also okay for them to get that goal, but then just how they get it was just real bad. Like they get it. They got what they wanted. They achieved that goal. It was a yes. Great. But whoa, whoa, were there some twists and turns in between. So in the first draft of Still Your Own, which was uh, what I read at the end of the character session, which used to be called uh, Spontaneous Cat Abduction, um, which I hated the moment I wrote it. I was like, that's cute, but I hate it. Um, it, it the end, I wanted to play around with um, the major dramatic question. And I wanted to play around with there being a yes response, but it being very upsetting because I did not want to know. I did not want like a hardcore no because the question is does M find Kitty? Does M find her cat? I didn't want it to be a no because I didn't know if I didn't know if I could wrap that up in 10 pages and the assignment was only supposed to be 10 pages uh, and I was like I think that's like a 50 page thing and I think Greg would absolutely fail me <laughs> if it was a 50 page paper and I need this to graduate so I'm gonna just cap it. I'm going to say, yes, she gets the cat, but how do I make that bad? She got the cat. The cat was dead. Oops. Um, if you've ever had cats, you will know that cats kind of like to be on their own when they die. A cat is not going to go lay in the middle of the dining room table and just fall asleep and never wake up. My cat, when he was dying, he, well, one, he couldn't regulate his body temperature and it was January, so he was trying to find somewhere warm, which was very sad. Um, but he hid in my closet in a pile of bags I have on the floor. Because that is somewhere that, like, really, you're not going to see him. You're not going to necessarily find him or bother him too much, he thought. Once I realized what he was doing, I bothered him every hour on the hour and cried many a time on him. So he was just not his ideal. But every other cat I've had, we live in the country, they all live outside. Every time they get sick and they're going to die or anything like that, they just like wander off. Our dogs also do that, typically. But our cats are really good at that. They'll just like eat off. They'll just say, I'm, I'm going to go. Bye. Uh, and they'll just eat. So I wanted that the cat kind of ran off got out either was sick and got out died once it got out there was nothing wrong with it and it got out and it died because it was out or it just was like yeah i'm dying i gotta go i can't let this girl find me i gotta eat um either way i was like the cat's dead so the answer is a yes but it's also a really awful yes like it's a yes but wow wow what a bad way for it to be a yes so i kind of wanted to play with that so you can do that the answer can be a yes we achieved this thing but oh it was bad it was bad in between how we got there was not great so with the major i've i've gone off course a lot and i apologize i i thought through i was like i'm just gonna talk about the shadow and bone series for like a second and like use it as like a really good example and then i just like kept going and going so let me recap all of that if you're still listening thank you but let me recap all of that a major dramatic question is a yes or no question um, that is a tangible question and can be measured. 
for a series, you're going to typically have an overarching major dramatic question with individual smaller major dramatic questions for each book. You will need to have an answer for the overarching question and the individual question in each of those books. So like the two questions, the question for book one and the overarching question will need to have an answer in book one. Same for book two, same for book three. In there, the answer to the individual question can be a yes or a no. The answer to the major dramatic question that overarches, should it sh that one should not be answered until the very end, until the third one. Unless the answer to the major, major dramatic question just throws everything into upheaval so much that it can start a new or or make continue to make an interesting story for that third fourth fifth whatever book typically you will answer the overarching question in the very very end again the individual question can be answered with a yes or a no does not matter and the goal for each of these is to make it seem like either the overarching question will or won't be answered and for us to wonder, to kind of keep wanting to read. These are called, in those books specifically, as well as in the individual things, are called polarity shifts. Shifts. I was a theater major, I can talk. Um, so polarity shifts kind of, it makes us think it's going to be a yes or a no. Basically, I was trying to think of a good way to say it, a nice, eloquent way, but I, I can't do that. So, a yes or a no, but it's going to make us think it's one way or the other. It's going to do this for the individual books and then the overarching. This is the same for a regular book, a one book. If you're writing one novella, you want your plot to not just be a straightforward yes or a straightforward no. You want there to be some polarity. You want there to be some differences in it. If you've got a short story, there might be a little less room for polarity, but the longer your story gets, the more you're going to have to have some kind of polarity. Why? Because it's boring if it's a straight yes or a straight no. No one wants to read a story about Joe, who wants to open a restaurant, uh, is able to find a space to rent, is able to find a person to buy everything from, and is able to, like, has millions of friends and gets all the friends to come in and talk to everybody else, and then their restaurant is a success with literally no struggle, no strife. That's not what we want. We want a story about Joe, who wants to open a restaurant, but all of the shop fronts in their city are full. So if they're gonna open one, they're gonna have to go outside of the city or try to compete. Uh, they can't find local farmers to bring them food because it's A, too expensive, or B, like they just can't find it. Um, but they've got that drive. They know how to make food. They like making food. They've got lots of great recipes to make. We want to see a little bit of struggle. In some cases, you want to see a lot of struggle. Sometimes it's nice to see these characters just struggle and dig and dig and try and try and just fail and fail. But we do like to see them kind of skating through. We do like to see some happiness. Six of Crows. In the Six of Crows, duology from the Shadow and Bone Grishaverse series, uh, Six of Crows is really, really good at polarity shifts. And Lee Bardugo is great at making something seem like a polarity shift, when in reality, it's not. <laughs> so Six of Crows, uh, it's a group of thieves who are trying to break into this prison uh, in like this very, very well-maintained, well-secured prison that's never been broken into before. If it does get broken into, you don't get very far. So they're trying to break into that. 
and they've got all these steps in place. And at one point, after uh, they all get in, the men and the women are separated, and one and the men are in there. They're being kind of patted down again for like the fifth time to make sure they don't have anything. And one guy is being searched, and they find lock picking stuff in his mouth. He's like cramps some stuff in his cheek so he can pick locks they take it out they throw it away and you're like oh god Kaz what did you why did you do that why did you think that they wouldn't they wouldn't do that Kaz oh my god what are they gonna do now and then you find out that was a part of the plan because then they don't see this other guy sneaking something else in or sneaking something past them and you're like oh my god (laughs) oh my god so it's a positive polarity shift you're like yes yes this is gonna work designed as a bad polarity shift where you don't think it's gonna work you don't have to do that (laughs) you don't have to do that and kind of get that kind of layer going you can it can just be a yes or a no simple as that we're going to continue to write out this wave of shadow and bone i remember the shadow and bone the first book well so we're going to stick with that uh major dramatic question will alina harness her power number of polarity shifts there one yes seems like a yes because she's able to harness it in the shadow fold She's able to get light going. Cool. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It looks like Alina's going to be able to harness her power. When she's working with Bagra, she cannot summon the sun unless Bagra is actually like grabbing a hold of her arm. Ooh, it looks like a no. No, Alina is not going to be able to harness her power. Uh, yes, Alina is able to harness her power uh, and she can use that to defeat the Shadowfold. Great. Awesome. So yes, we're on a yes. She can now honor her power she's great she's awesome she's killing it cool tires screeching Urgh. oh wait the person we thought was the good guy who was helping her is the bad guy so now she's gonna have to run because he's gonna use her powers for bad things no she is not gonna, she's not gonna be able to no it's a quick no oh he got her now we're gonna take her back to the fold oh yes so you see there's like some back and forth i did a very very bad job of describing polarity shifts but you've got to have some kind of back and forth Let's go back to the old tried and true. Let's go back to the grilled cheese example that I use all the time. Frankie is trying to make the best grilled cheese that they can, right? They are just like, I gotta make a good grilled cheese. So Frankie uh, is like, I'm gonna find sourdough bread at the store and I'm gonna find um, sharp cheddar cheese and pepper jack cheese and um, like some Havarti. Let's get some Havarti in there. Oh no sourdough bread at the store all they have is a stupid italian loaf crap and the the loaf is small it's a small little loaf i gotta okay i'll get the small little loaf whatever fine um okay cheese section oh my gosh there's so many cheeses frankie can choose from frankie eventually ends up going with a like ghost pepper pepper jack cheese killer frankie and then like some havarti and probably some mozz really nice creamy mozzarella grape she's got all his good stuff then he's like, I gotta use Kerry Gold butter. I gotta use the good butter. So Frankie goes over. He's gonna get the good butter. He's very excited. Oh, they don't have Kerry Gold butter because he lives in the boonies. But they have nice cheese and Italian loaves. I don't know, but they don't have Kerry Gold butter. Oh, Frankie is not gonna get to make this sandwich. He turns around. Wait, didn't he see on the Food Network? Mayonnaise is supposed to be really good for making grilled cheese. And right there right there in the butter section for some reason is the mayonnaise section and he's like helmets so he grabs the helmets and he runs 
do you see do you kind of see the polarity shifts right so when he comes in you're like okay frankie's probably gonna make this really good grilled cheese oh they don't have the bread he's never gonna get this grilled cheese made oh they have really good cheese in the boonies he's gonna get this grilled cheese made oh they don't have heaven's nectar curry gold butter oh god but he remembered and he has enough grit to remember that you can use mayonnaise to make a really good grilled cheese and by the way you can so he's gonna grab that and he's gonna go yes Frankie can get this made. So those polarity shifts are going to be super, super important. You've got to like, you've got to give it some, some grit. You got to make it interesting. You got to go on some swerves. Uh, I think the example I have written down, I, okay, sorry. I was reading that and I, I don't know how long I paused, but y'all, I was like, this girl, what did, were you drunk? I was not drunk when I wrote these, but I was like, girl, this makes no sense. So polarity shifts. If you've never been out in the country, picture, okay, so picture you're in the country and there's a stretch of road. You've just turned right off of the highway and on the highway, there's been like some towns that you've passed by. There's been gas stations. There's been, up to this point, cows, because you're in Texas. Cows and horses and all kinds of stuff. Hills, you know, but the highway, for the most part, is pretty straight. You turn off into the, into the road. You're on this kind of gravel country road. All you see along the sides are trees. And in front of you, you can see where it starts turning. At first, it's a fairly straight country road. You're driving down the road, and you're not really turning much. But then all of a sudden, you kind of have to turn to the right a little bit. And then you can see off to kind of off to the side through some trees. There's like a little break in the trees, a house, a little cute house. So you go, you go swerve to the right a little bit, and then, but you're still on the road. And then it takes you to the left and you go through the left and you can't see the house because there's so many trees. They're dense. They hang over the road. You know, a squirrel could run through and you wouldn't be able to see it because there's so many trees, but you're going. Let's say you go pretty straight for a while. And then you're asked to swerve to the right again. So you swerve to the right. And you're like, oh, that's the house again. Oh, look, it's got some cows. Oh, it's got like some lights on the porch. Cute. Okay, go back to the left. Okay, more trees, more trees, more trees, more trees. Stop. For some reason, you gotta stop. Stop, stop. Okay, well, I'll keep, um, I'll turn to the right. Sharp turn to the right, where you can kind of see the house in the distance. Awesome. Oh, wait, there's a detour in the country. Mm fine so there's a detour you gotta go to the left and you're getting further from the house you can sort of see it in the distance but not really there's so many trees you keep going there's a winding road you get further from the house and eventually you can see the house in the distance it's just over a hill this would not work but hear me out <laughs> you see it over the distance in a hill you follow it and follow the hill you go and then you're at the house you're at the gates of the house you go in, you drive by all the cows, you take in the scene, and then you're at the house. Really anticlimactic and really bad analogy, but basically, basically, you are, the plot is a country road. And you're going to go, it's going to be very twisty, it's going to be very turny, there's going to be lots of different paths that you can take. And while you might glimpse a house in the distance, you might glimpse an answer, you still kind of wonder where the house is going to be and how you'll get there you see the answer you see yes alina will harness her powers yes em and leo will find the cat but sometimes you don't see that you don't see that goal you don't see what they want 
So you glimpse it at different points along the path and you wonder, A, how will they get to that goal? How will I find this house? B, will I find the house? <laughs> will they reach this goal? That sort of makes sense. I hope that makes sense. If anyone also lives in the country, they saw a lot of flaws with my logic in the country road analogy. Listen, it's not a bad analogy, but like I think it would make more sense if I like drew a picture. But this is a podcast, not a YouTube channel. Um, so I can't draw nothing for y'all. So you're SOL. Up a creek without a path. Um, but you have to make us believe the answer is either going to be a yes or a no, depending on how the chapter is going. Again, not a straight shot. Make us think that they have a chance. Make us think that they don't have a chance. Don't let it be one way the entire time and not the entire time. It keeps us in suspense and it keeps us wanting to read. If we think the whole time, the whole time that they're just going to get exactly what they want, we're not going to read. We're going to be like, whatever, cool. If I thought the whole time during Six of Crows that they were actually going to pull off the heist and get out of the ice palace, the ice court alive, I would not have wanted to read. The reason that I binged half of that book, which is around 250 pages in a night, when I had work the next morning and it was already fairly late so I was just really irresponsible the reason I read that whole book in a night was because I didn't know what was going to happen next and every time I thought I'll stop I'll stop I'll stop I couldn't stop because I didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> I had to keep reading so I could see what would happen we've done this with movies and tv shows you ever been watching a really great really suspenseful tv show and you have to know what's going to happen next so you keep binging and you keep it going and then it's like 12 hours later and you've maybe finished half a season but you're like i gotta keep going if you've ever watched game of thrones you know the tea if you've ever watched she-ra you also know the tea i know a lot of you guys are watching uh, avatar the last airbender right now i know y'all are probably like i know I, I i'm with you girl i'm with you that type of thing your, your writing needs to be like that we have to keep wondering because if we think it's going to either be a yes or a no the whole time it's not interesting Especially if your answer is going to be no, you gotta let it. You gotta let us think it's going to be a yes, at least a little bit. <laughs> you gotta let us hope, because I mean, if it's going to be a no the whole time, I'm not going to want to read it. What are you doing? You're getting me attached to these characters, and for what? You did this for what? Like why? Why not? But like, <laughs> polarity shifts are very important. They keep us engaged, keep us reading, and keep us wanting to know more. Give us hope give us hope please i love hope please give it to me please just a, just a spare bit of hope for your characters that I have fallen in love with please ma'am please I, i'm sorry i have another note that i was like i need to read that bullet point but must shift oh it's a reiteration of another point um if you haven't noticed i love beating a horse dead i love driving a point into the ground and into the ground and into the ground until i've dug away to the center of the earth um and i did that again in my notes uh, <laughs> so do they get the major dramatic question does your character get what they want again give me a yes or a no it doesn't have to be the ideal like again with that story spontaneous cat abduction that was not the ideal yes that point she probably would have preferred to no. know just picking up her cat dead like it's a fine thing it's fine it doesn't have to be ideal also does not have to be a yes or a no again in a series it's okay for an answer to be no like that's fine that's cool because you're going to continue it on they're going to continue it to go but there needs to be 
some kind of an answer at the end of the book. It is super, super important for us to see an answer. We've got to see a yes or a no. We've got to be able to measure what your character has done and if they've achieved what they've wanted to achieve and what we've been hoping they will achieve the whole time. Okay, that's the end of my notes. That's all I've got. I had a thought that I wanted to elaborate on and to build on, but uh, I didn't write it down. I literally just had it while I was recording, and I thought, that's really good, girl. You gotta keep that. My little pea brain, I forgot. <laughs> so, major dramatic questions are super, super important. Um, they're very valuable. They're like one of those big things that, again, I did not really start thinking about until later. And even if you're kind of struggling to think of a major dramatic question, that is okay. I think that was my point, was like, how do you get a major dramatic question when, like, you're just first starting to write? That's going to come as you get to know your main character. Again, you can write to get to know your main character. You don't have to have the entire biography for your character done before you start writing. You can kind of figure it out as you go. I'm doing that with one of my stories and figuring out as I go. I've got a general idea of what the question will be, but I don't know what exactly it's going to be yet for a number of reasons. And that's fine. That's okay. Like, I don't even know everything right this minute. Um, but having that kind of thought and that idea, at least knowing that, like, you have to find something at some point is going to help. If you know kind of the themes for your story, you can build them from the themes. We'll talk about themes much, much later. Um, and I'll continue to see if this helps, or I'll think about if this helps when it comes to finding a major dramatic question. And if it does, I'll do an aside on it and I'll talk about it a little more. Um, in fact, I might just make an aside about it anyway. Um, anyway, a plan for later, not something I need to concern y'all with too, too much. Um, but think about the themes that you've got for your story. The major dramatic question does not need to be like one of those themes, but it can kind of arise from those themes. Of course, you need to think about what your character wants. Do you have a main character? Great. What do they want? Do you have six characters that make up your main character? They're all just like, each main character? Great. What do they want? Think about what each of those characters wants. If you've got six, one's wants is gonna gotta be more important than everybody else's. <laughs> it's just gotta be. It's gotta be more important than everybody else's. But all six of those wants can work together and make one major dramatic question. For example, Six of Crows. I think objectively the most important person, the most, or not most important person, the, the wants that we care the most about are going to be Kaz's. Whether or not you have allegiances to other characters, totally fine. But the person who we, like, objectively have to care more about, maybe root for a little bit more, is going to be Kaz. Kaz is technically our main character. He's the mastermind behind the whole plan. If we, if he achieves his goal and he breaks into the ice court and gets out alive with everybody in tow, great. Everybody else will get their goals. Inej will get what she wants. Nina will get what she wants. Uh, Matthias, Jasper, Jasper, not Jasper, Jasper, and Wylan will get what they want. Cool. Um, now, of course, in those six, you have different allegiances. I wanted Inej and Nina to get everything that they wanted. I still want that. I would take a bullet for both of those women. That it's what I want. But Kaz is objectively going to be the most important because he's the main character. If you've got it, so if you've got six, try to find the one who's going to center everything. Everything is going to revolve around 
this, what this one character wants and it's going to hinge on what that one character wants. If you, however, have just like a standard main character, what do they want? It's going to all hinge on what they want. So just find what your character wants. That's probably going to be the best, best kind of place to start. You don't have to have like that main want figured out. I have got a play that I've been working on for like two and a half years. Wow. Uh, two and a half years, and I still don't know what two of the characters want. Oops. Uh, I know what the other two want. That's fine. But I, these other two are kind of a little more elusive. Natasha and Adelia, they're a little more, a little more crazy. Don't know what they want. Totally fine. But as you kind of figure it out, it's going to help you. You can even start with a collection of what they want and then narrow it down to what is most important to them. You can also see, like, how will you know when the story is over? How will you know when the plot is on that downward spiral? How will you know when that big, big... How will you know when the story is on its downward slope? When it's almost done? How will you know? Great, your major dramatic question is probably going to be something along the lines of that. That is going to be what your major dramatic question kind of revolves around. Um, I'm looking at my book... A different bookshelf I have too. I'm looking at my bookshelf trying to see if there's an example I have of that. Um, I can't really think of one, um, unfortunately. Uh, and if you tell, maybe if you tell by Gargolson is the story of Shilly Notek. She is uh, in prison, thankfully, and is a serial killer, abuser, manipulative, piece of garbage. Um, she's supposed to get out in 2022, so that's not very exciting. Um, but it details her abuse um, in her own family with her three daughters, her husband, and then um, the people that she brought into her home as well along the way. So the major dramatic question for that is, will Shelley get caught? The answer, thankfully, sorry to spoil it, is a yes. Yes, Shelley will get caught. Um, but if you were looking at that and trying to see, you know, what the major dramatic question is, and you just have this story about this woman named Shelley, but how will I, how will you know when Shelley's story is on the downward slope? You'll know it's on the downward slope when the police arrest her. Or when she goes to court. Either way. That's kind of how you'll know it's on that downward slope. And both of those kind of hinge around will Shelly get caught? Will Shelly go to jail? Will she face justice for what she's done? Bad example because, like, it's just, it's just a bad example. It's a poor example. I apologize. Um, but your major dramatic question will revolve around when your... Uh, kind of plot starts to die, not die down but when it starts to kind of calm down when the big hill remember the hill from last week and from every class you've ever taken every english class you've ever taken that's talked about book plots they've always got this hill diagram jesus christ um that hill when that hill starts to kind of slope downward that is when your major dramatic question will have an answer a yes or a no boom boom so think about that think about what your biggest think about that think about what your biggest plot point is i'm very aggressive i'm sorry um think about what your biggest plot point is and when you will know that all that is calming down and that is going to lead into your major dramatic question maybe you don't know what your biggest plot point is totally fine i'm gonna say it again right right first think later right right as you go i mentioned last week um ebenbach said uh that plot like in the first drafts plot you just kind of like do whatever you want your imagination runs wild and then you kind of rein it back in afterwards 
So your biggest section, the biggest thing, the big thing where your plot starts to slope downward might not be the big thing when your plot starts to slope downward at like the final draft. That's fine. I will give you a major dramatic question. So that's kind of how you find it. (laughs) Not great examples. But figure out what your character wants. Figure out the themes of your story. What your character wants is going to be the best one because that is a major dramatic question. Frankie wants to make a grilled cheese. Will they make a grilled cheese? Will they make the best grilled cheese? Yes or no? Think about themes if you're still struggling with that. What are the themes of your story? If you know those, great. If you don't, I, I don't expect you to. But if you do know them, think about those. Your major dramatic question will come from those. Also think about your plot. If you've got a general plot structure and you know based on the rise and the fall, what when will happen where and what is going to be the moment, the event that makes the plot kind of start to slope downward. That is going to be your major dramatic question. I know some of you are also sitting there like, can the major dramatic question change in a story? Yes, the major dramatic question can absolutely change 100%. If you, okay, we're going to go back to Siege and Storm. Let's shift back to the Grisha first. Siege and Storm. The first Oh, I feel bad. I didn't read the actual paper version of this. I read the, I listened to the audiobook. Um, in the first two and a half, three hours, two probably, what the, you think the major dramatic question is going to be, will Alina and the Darkling find the sea whip? Yes, they do. You find it a lot quicker than you think. I honestly thought they were going to be stuck on that boat forever. And he was going to be like, great, well, I have to go back to Ravka so I can like, murder the king we gotta yeet uh, but no they find it real quick i was like wow mal you really can't turn rocks into rabbits you're really good at finding stuff um but they find the sea whip which is this mythical mythical beast that they didn't even think really existed before but they find it they find the sea whip and you're like well, you know what are you gonna do now <laughs> and then very and then you see kind of the new major dramatic questions start to fall into place so it's okay for the major dramatic question to change it's perfectly okay it's kind of exciting when you think this is a major dramatic question and then logically it does change don't make it like a deus ex machina thing where like all of a sudden god comes down and it's like there's a shift this problem got solved now we got to do this one make it a little more organic you got to make it believable even if you're writing about mythical creatures called the sea whip and people that can summon light and dark and fire and air and water and just make things out of things you've gotta you've gotta make it believable make it logical so you cannot just like end one plot because you want it to be ended and you want to focus on this no you gotta keep that major dramatic question going you can have multiple major dramatic questions at the same time again that is going to come a little more into play if you've got multiple kind of quote-unquote main characters it's also going to come into play if your main character just has a lot of stuff going on we don't all have one thing we want to accomplish right we've got multiple things we want to do in our lifetime that's okay so your character can have multiple things they want to do you do need to have one defining big 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 major dramatic question there can be other things along the way those i'm going to talk about later (laughs) i like to call them a minor dramatic question um, cute, right? So I'm going to talk about minor dramatic questions later, another time. But for now, I think I've covered major dramatic questions in enough detail. I've been talking for 51 minutes straight. Um, 
God bless all of you if you've made it this far. Um, but major dramatic questions, very, very important, very, very vital. Again, if you're struggling to find one or you're not 100% sure what your major dramatic question is, do not stress too much. You might not know what your major dramatic question is until you've written the entire thing. But by the time you've written the entire thing, you need to know what your major dramatic question is. It is incredibly important. I wrote the very first draft of the play that I've been working on for two years. And there was, there was a major dramatic question, but it didn't kind of, it, it wasn't even like a thing that we were concerned with until the last scene like up until then it was just nothing and then the last scene there was a question and we went the answer was a yes um but there was a question and that was it uh and my two it was for a, a class and the two professors that were working on me for that project were like there's no question there is a question, but there isn't one over the entire story. So there's got to be one for the entire story. Now that I have rewritten that same play no less than three times, and I'm working on like the fourth draft, I still don't know what exactly the major dramatic question is. I'm still working on it, still trying to find it. Um, but you have to have one. You have to have one. That script I wrote, complete garbage. Boring. Boring, boring, boring. Nothing going on. So you have to have a major dramatic question to give us something to read, something to want to see, and to just kind of propel everything forward. It's vital. It's very important. It ties together plot and character and just... I I, I don't think y'all need to keep hearing me to harp on this, but, like, very important. So, again, if you're writing something long and you do not have a major dramatic question right now, that's fine. Don't fret about it. By the time you've gotten a draft written like the full thing you do need to know your major dramatic question and you need to see afterwards if your plot if all the events if everything going on has answered that question effectively if it's a no how can you fix it if it's a yes great keep it pushing go back edit change some stuff add something else take something out um, but by the time you finish you do need to have that major dramatic question figured out again to write you don't you're going to write, and you're going to have fun, you're going to figure it out along the way. But I think I will shut the hell up now. I think I will be quiet and let y'all breathe. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all learned something. I hope I, I hope you listened this far. If you did, you deserve a star. Send me a letter, and I'll send you a star. Most of you are my friends, so some of you might actually have my address so i'll send you a little gold star sticker if you write me a letter um i hope i didn't ruin the shadow and bone series for all of you uh and i hope you learned a little bit i hope you guys are doing well hope you're taking some time for yourself hope you are signing petitions and doing what you can if you cannot donate i hope you are finding other ways to kind of help again signing petitions protesting donating time um finding youtube things to watch that will donate for the number of views that they get um there's a number of different ways to do things. I hope you're educating yourself and amplifying the voices of others. Um, that is part of why I've been quiet on Instagram. I, even though I don't really post a ton, uh, I know that my content is still probably taking away timeline space from creators and people that, and activists, I was going to say influencers, that's not the word, activists that you've been following recently. Uh, and I didn't want to do too much of that. I'll try to start posting again. And I will mainly post, of course, Black Lives Matter books and readings that I'm either going to start reading or think, that was a weird noise, think that uh, <laughs> they would be interesting or educational, especially for my white 
friends out there. But definitely do keep educating yourself. Do keep reading. It is Pride Month. Happy Pride, everybody. Check on your LGBTQ plus friends. Um, I'll share some LGBTQ plus readings as well. Um, and yeah, stay educated, stay safe, stay healthy. I know COVID is still going on, so keep yourself healthy. Keep yourself safe. Um, make a pie. Do something for yourself today. Do something to make yourself feel good. Um, and do something to help yourself relax, whatever it might be. As long as it's healthy and doesn't hurt you or others. <laughs> um, in the meantime, though, I will see you guys on Instagram and in the space. And uh, yeah, bye y'all.